0: If you're the type of baseball fan that can't help but get giddy over prospects, we have the podcast for you. Locked on MLB Prospects, hosted by minor league play-by-play voice Aram Layton, is the only daily podcast devoted entirely to the stars of tomorrow. Follow Locked on MLB Prospects on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. How's it going, everyone? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Today is Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. I, of course, am your host, Dan Wilson. Coming to you uh, following a long weekend, a weekend in which the Phillies won two of three from the San Diego Padres at home. The Phillies go to Chicago, win one at Wrigley Field, got three more coming up. We will recap and preview everything from those series uh, in just a little bit. But I come to you here Tuesday, July 6th, just a couple of weeks. Uh, Well, we'll, a number of storylines to get to here. But first of all, we're just a number of weeks, uh, three weeks almost exactly until the Major League Baseball trade deadline, which is on July 30th, which is a Friday. So they had to do it before the weekend. So we're sitting here 24 days away from the MLB trade deadline and lots of discussion as to whether the Phillies will be buyers or sellers at this year's trade deadline. I'll give you my take on that. We're coming off uh, a series where the Phillies played pretty well against one of the better teams in baseball in the San Diego Padres. And of course, there's an Extended storyline there, which is the two guys, the two biggest names in the 2019 Major League Baseball offseason and Bryce Harper and Manny Machado taking the same field. They'll kind of give you an angle on that in just a little bit. And then the Phillies going to Chicago just last night and the offense lighting it up and really playing well behind Matt Moore, who the Phillies have actually fared fairly well in games which Matt Moore has pitched so far this season. He doesn't go uh, too deep. But the bullpen really shined in that game and the Phillies rout the Cubs and the Phillies could use more games like this where they don't really have to worry about their bullpen innings. 13-3 over the Cubs. Phenomenal bullpen performances. Pretty good start by Matt Moore. He didn't go too deep into this game. Offense explodes. We'll get into that. But I did want to start with uh, this series against the Padres and I'll open it up to kind of where I'm at in terms of this trade deadline. First of all, Phillies and Padres taking the field. Phillies win 2 of 3. Now, it was an interesting way to win 2 of 3. I was actually at the game on Friday. And in typical Phillies fashion, so they get the win. So I'm I'm not going to be overly negative about this. But what should have been an easy win becomes an incredibly difficult one in very 2021 Phillies fashion. They took a 3-0 lead into into the top of the ninth inning, not the bottom of the ninth, the top of the ninth inning. And the Padres have not scored a run all game. The pitchers had gone pretty well up to this point. Zach Wheeler, seven and two thirds of scoreless ball. he has been tremendous. By the way, shout out to him and JT Realmuto, both making the all-star team. Realmuto, I actually did not expect to be an all-star. The catcher position is always an interesting one when it comes to the all-star game because guys are often looked at more for their defense and it's not exactly a deep position in terms of offense. And JT Realmuto, though he hasn't been the best catcher in baseball this year, even in the NL. I mean, the starting catcher job is going to go to Buster Posey in the National League. He's just been tremendous and kind of turning back the clock, if you will. But Realmuto being basically the only plus defender that the Phillies have and still having a down year by his own standards, but it hits more than a number of other catchers in baseball. So he's in the All-Star game. But Zach Wheeler deserves every bit of the nod to this year's All-Star game. So he goes 7-2, and thirds 4 hits, no runs, 9 strikeouts, 114 pitches. I was at the game on Friday, as I mentioned. A lot of people wanted him to finish out that inning. So Jose Alvarado, who was named the closer and stayed in that role officially for about a week. Alvarado comes in basically for a 4-out save. He comes in, finishes out the 8th. Goes back in for the ninth, ultimately allows three earned runs on his expense. So again, in that top of the ninth inning, it started with Jay Cronenworth walk. Of course, the dreaded leadoff walk comes back to bite the Phillies. Manny Machado strikes out. We'll get to him and Bryce in a second. Tatis, Fernando Tatis Jr., who is the best player on the field, he doubles to left center field, the second double of the game. That scores Cronenworth. It's 3-1. Trent Grisham walks. Ranger Suarez then has to come in. He gets a ground out from Eric Hosmer, but Jerickson Profar doubles down the left field line to tease Grisham's score, and we have ourselves a tie game. And eventually, in the bottom of the 10th, the Phillies did come back and win. Actually, just on a personal note, I don't believe, I I was thinking about this the other day, I somehow think that I have never seen a walk-off home run in person. I've seen a number of walk-offs, and I've actually seen a few this year. I was saw the Phillies walk off the Yankees on that base hit to the third baseman uh, by Gene Segura. I was then, just a few weeks later, up in New York for the Phillies-Mets doubleheader, and I saw the Mets walk off the Phillies, and then I was at this. But I don't believe I've ever actually seen a walk-off home run. Well, I believe that I had for just a few minutes there. Brad Miller rips one to center field, and it hit the top of like the padding right in front of the bullpen at Citizens Bank Park. It, everyone reacted like it was a home run. He actually rounded all of the bases and stormed home plate. And I think the scoreboard even changed to 6-3 at first. I was listening back to the broadcast. They thought it was a home run, but upon further review, it was scored a double. Phillies win 4-3. Not that it really matters, but somehow I've never seen a walk-off home run in person. Turns out to be an exciting game. Phillies get the win. But it was they should have never had to go to Suarez in that position. It was annoying that they had to go to the tenth inning. So they make things interesting, but come away with a win. In Saturday's ballgame, they win by a score of four to two. Really solid win against you Darvish, who has been one of the uh certainly one of the better pitchers in all of baseball this year. And then on Sunday they kind of undo a little bit of the hype, uh, getting beaten eleven one. So two of the games weren't really well, the first game in the series shouldn't have been close, and then it became close in the end. Second game, they win by two runs. On Sunday, they get beat 11-1, and then on Monday, they beat the Cubs and turn it right back around 13-3, and again, I'll get to that game in a second. A few takeaways from this series. Number one, I mentioned Jose Alvarado was basically the closer for like a week there. One thing, I've been very critical of, obviously, Joe Girardi much of this season, though. I thought he's been ever since he brought Neftali Feliz in two high-leverage situations and they had to DFA him just because the guy was given no shot. I thought, I don't can't think of a move that I've really taken issue with uh, in terms of Joe Girardi. Now, I actually probably would have left Zach Wheeler in to try and finish that inning the other day against the Padres. But any conventional, I would say it would be the conventional decision to go to your bullpen in that situation. I just don't have a ton of faith in this bullpen at this point. Wheeler's at 114 pitches. He's been the best pitcher and the best player on your team all season long. You see if you can drag one more out, out of him. Maybe you go to Alvarado to start the ninth. Things go a little bit differently. But one thing that it's not a pet peeve of mine, but I guess I just would do slightly differently in if I were Joe Girardi. And I don't think this is necessarily costing the Phillies games, but more maybe from a mental standpoint. And who knows? Maybe it is is that he's dead set on naming a closer. Now, I get it. The guy managed in New York and had Mariano Rivera, the greatest guy to ever do the job. There was no closer debates ever. You always knew who your closer was each and every day, week, month, year even, right? With this Phillies team, I don't know if there is a bona fide closer on the roster. Like, it was Hector Neris for a while, and then he went to Alvarado for a week, and now it actually seems like it's Ranger Suarez, who if anyone's going to be your closer on the team. I think it should be Ranger Suarez at this point. I think he's been your most reliable bullpen arm throughout the course of the season. But I don't necessarily feel the need. I know he likes assigning guys bullpen roles. He actually spoke about that in spring training, and I alluded to that in one of our shows back in March or something of that like that. He certainly likes to put a label on who the closer is. I don't know if there's anyone who has fully earned that closer's role like in this case I think Ranger Suarez is the most deserving guy but if the top of the order is coming up in like the seventh eighth inning whatever the case is and I need six big outs on any given night but it's not the final three like Ranger Suarez has proven the ability to go multiple innings so there might be some nights that I would rather him pitch the sixth seventh and eighth rather than saving him from the for the ninth if that makes sense so I don't necessarily feel the need the way that Joe Girardi does. I wouldn't personally feel the need to name a closer, but it seems like Ranger Suarez is that guy. It seems like we're transitioning into that type of role, and I don't think you need to look any further than Monday's ballgame where Jose Alvarado came in with a ginormous lead. He pitched the eighth, and I don't think you would usually pitch your closer in an eighth inning of a blowout. So I think the Jose Alvarado as a closer experiment if you want to call it that lasted again all about a week to 10 days or so I forget the exact day they named him that spot I think it was actually the day that New York series started and now we're sitting here on Monday July 5th a week and change later and basically he's out of that role so Suarez has certainly been one of the most reliable I I would say the most reliable guy in the bullpen this season and he now I think as of today is the Phillies closer? Although I think there are instances where I would use him earlier, maybe stretch him out over more innings because he's proven the ability to do that. One last thing I wanted to hit on here uh, before we go to the break is just Harper and Machado, and one something that really hit me when I was sitting in the stands um, back on Friday when the Phillies were playing the Padres. First of all, a few things. One, it was it is nice kind of to go through the season and play this full season out again and they're not just in the bubble of like playing the American League East and National League East. Like the Phillies this week are playing the Chicago Cubs at Wrigley Field and it's been a while since I've watched a Phillies game at Wrigley Field on TV or been a while since I've been in person to a Phillies game and seen a team like the Padres who's on the Na- in the National League West and has stars that I would like to go see, Fernando Tatis Jr., one of the be- biggest stars in the game today, actually playing his first games ever against the Phillies or in Philadelphia in general in his entire career. So he was really cool to see, but it struck me as I'm sitting there and they're going through the starting lineups and we're going through the game that a few years ago, what kind of odds could you have gotten that when the Phillies, when Manny Machado signed a 10 year, $300 million contract with the Padres. And then, you know, like a week and a half later, not even on the final day of February, 2019, this was Bryce Harper signed to the Phillies 13 years, $330 million that when those two teams square off, when the Padres and Phillies square off three years later, not not even three years later, in the year 2021, so two and like a half years later, that neither one of those guys would be the biggest star on the field. Bryce Harper is still the biggest star on the Phillies roster, but Machado is not even the best guy on his own team. Fernando Tatis Jr., who not unsurprisingly is the starting shortstop for the National League, in the All Star game. He's one of the biggest stars in all of baseball, and his numbers are just on another level right now. I was actually doing a comparison uh, in preparation of this podcast, and a job I've referenced a number of times on this show here is my job at 94WIP uh, Sports Radio in Philadelphia. And we were kind of doing the Harper Machado comparison thing a few times in reference to this Padre series that was coming up as of last week and is since passed as of this week. And I would argue that I think Bryce Harper has been the better, certainly offensive player, since the two of them signed their deals. Machado ha- has played some more games than Harper. Harper has missed time, and certainly the injury history that Harper has racked up already in his first three years is concerning. But he's had a higher OPS than each year. He walks, or he has walked more than Machado. The only thing Machado's got him beat on, and he, he also was driving in more runs up until this year where just no one gets on base for Bryce Harper which is not an excuse he, he's had opportunities and not hit guys in but it's actually unbelievable that he has started the season at like this long like we're coming up on the all-star break and Bryce Harper as of Tuesday July 6th 2021 Bryce Harper has a total of 14 home runs on the season, and not one of them has had a guy on base. Like, 14 solo home runs, um, which actually leads me into a theory I'm going to get to in a little bit later about the construction of the lineup on this team. But kind of just bring it full circle with Harper and Machado. Neither one of them, I wouldn't say that either one of them has been elite. I think they're both very good players. Um, Harper not named to the all-star team here in the year 2021. I think overall, when I look at him just from a Phillies perspective, when you sign a guy to that type of contract, you expect him to be an elite player. I don't think he has been an elite player, so I suppose by that by that standard, he has been disappointing, but I don't think he is the reason, certainly, and there's many, many reasons why this Phillies team has struggled since he's been here. I don't think he is anywhere close to the top of that list. I think he's been very, very good. I think he's been good for the Phillies' brand, if you will, and putting butts in the seats, which is part of the reason why you signed Bryce Harper. He obviously sells a lot of jerseys, he sells hot dogs, he sells merchandise, you know, whatever the case is, headbands. Um, he, And he's become the face of the team and driven a lot of interest in this team. But at the end of the day, Machado signed with the Padres. He's not even their best player because of Tatis and the Padres are, were in the playoffs last year and will be in the playoffs again this year. So it's kind of interesting to see how both of those teams and careers uh, have gone in different directions and it really the fact that they signed Harper to that long-term deal, I mean it says it certainly says something about where the Phillies thought they would be at this point. They expected to be contenders. I don't think they would have signed Bryce Harper to that contract if they didn't expect to be contenders or you're basically forcing your way into that type of spot. I know that there's a number of other reasons why you sign a guy like that. You don't go re-sign JT Romuto if you don't expect to be contenders, or at least you shouldn't. And you don't go hire Dave Dombrowski if you don't expect to be contenders. And this team has been overall disappointing despite their recently strong play. And on the other side, in addition to recapping uh, this Padres series and more specifically this Cubs game from last night more in-depth, I'm going to give you my take uh, kind of on the buy or sell debate. So that's all I got for you uh, here in segment number one. Again, really think it's interesting that I think Harper has been the slightly better offensive player. Machado obviously Uh, makes a ton of great plays on defense at third base. That was on display at Citizens Bank Park this past weekend. Harper might put up the better numbers. Machado has certainly gotten the better deal with his team. And how nuts is it that, again, the two of those guys on the same field this past weekend in South Philadelphia, neither one of them the biggest star on the field. More of the Locked on Phillies podcast coming right up. But first, I have to tell you about betonline.ag. Betonline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Baseball season It's in full swing. You can track all of the action at betonline.ag. You get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including Major League Baseball, NBA, NHL, and all of your UFC, MMA action. For the next pitch, head over to betonline.ag on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. This is your chance to get in the game as teams prep for their runs, or not prep for the runs, are prepping their runs throughout the playoffs here. As we're already in the NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals already in action. Of course, Major League Baseball well underway. We're coming up on the All-Star break. Head to the website, use your mobile device, sign up today, receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. When you use that promo code Locked On. that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, for a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit, betonline.ag, and they're your online sportsbook experts also have to tell you about rockauto.com with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models. It's now impossible for, to, for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing only the brands their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rockauto.com is a family business serving the do-it-yourselfers for more than 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you can need, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even that new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now, see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need visit rockauto.com i did want to hit on one more thing before i kind of recap uh these games from the weekend and then again last night's win a 13 to 3 win over the cubs at wrigley so in terms of the lineup construction we've seen joe girardi toy a lot around with who's going to be the closer and you know, when there's roles that are assigned, that applies to the bullpen and pitching. But it also applies to the starting lineup. And I remember not so long ago, it was, you know, a couple of months ago now, where it's we started the season with Andrew McCutcheon in the leadoff spot. And I will admit, and I'll give a shout out to uh, Ray Dunn here, Ray Dunn, uh, Berg DeBell. He's been on the podcast before at Ray Dunn BTB, doing great work for the Edenton Steamers down in North Carolina summer collegiate team. And, you know, he called me out. Now, I I can take it. He called me out because back in April, I tweeted that Andrew McCutcheon was washed. And at that time, I truly believed it. It looked like he was adding zero value to this Phillies team. And he has provided nothing but value basically since. He's gotten his on-base percentage back up to 354. He's leading the team in walks with 49, like by far the most walks on the team. And You know, he was the leadoff guy, and ever since he's been moved down in the lineup, he has really hit better. And I'm almost afraid if they moved him back up, like, so, for instance, this past weekend, you know, let's say he's hitting in the 5-hole, that if they moved him back up, that he might, I don't want to say it would take him out of his mojo. Like, I'm a believer that you should put one of your highest on-base guys at the top of the order. But it does seem like that McCutcheon has benefited from moving down in the order having some of that pressure perhaps taken off and he had a couple of gorgeous swings uh, against the Cubs on Monday night and I look I will own up to it that I was wrong Ray you are 100% correct he tweeted uh you know watch how they switch sides it was a Markel Fultz tweet from a couple of years back I said he was 100% washed I was admiring his beautiful swings just yesterday, and. I look the reverse Buzz Jinx, which, as I've mentioned a few times on this podcast, Buzz being my nickname for middle school, high school, college, and beyond. The, the Buzz Jinx is undefeated. I said Andrew McCutcheon was washed, and I, you know, he's no longer washed. So you can all uh, thank me for that. But the question is, is what is the best way to construct this lineup? Because I do not believe Odubel Herrera, who has been the leadoff guy for some time for the Phillies is the answer. He has the, among guys who have qualified on the team so far this year, his on-base percentage is now the second lowest on the team. It's 294, dip below 300. The only guy with a lower on-base is Alec Boehm, who has obviously had a ton of struggles this year. But if you just sort the offense by on-base percentage, highest on-base on the team is Gene Segura. Now, he doesn't walk as much as, say, your prototypical leadoff hitter. McCutcheon, as I mentioned, leading the team in walks, His on base up to 354. Segura's on base is 376. Maybe th- think of putting him up in the leadoff spot just because he's getting on base way more than, say, Odubel Herrera is. Now, Segura's been slotted in the two spot, but you move him one spot up, maybe you move Herrera down in the lineup, shake things up. And another interesting thing that I've seen floated around a couple of places, and I don't know if I would do it, but Harper is an interesting case. I've seen the case now made a few times for Harper being the leadoff guy. He has an on-base as of today on Tuesday of 375, just a point lower than Segura. And it's not like he drives in a ton of runs anyway. Like if you ask someone, who's driven in more runs this year, Gene Segura, Bryce Harper, you'd say Bryce Harper, and you'd be correct. He's driven in 26, but Segura's driven in 21. Like the disparity's not that big. And again, Harper has 14 home runs all solo. Like it's not like he's driving in guy like uh, oftentimes he's coming up with guys not on base anyway I think my gut is I'm a big proponent of having your best overall hitter in the two hole your highest on base guy one I think I would be put at this point if I were Girardi I would probably be slotting I mean you've seen half a season these guys and Segura and Harper have both missed time but they have a large enough sample size that I think I'd be putting Segura up in the leadoff spot just again because his on base is where it is and his batting average is 321. He's just flat-out been hitting. He's not going to give you those same walk totals. But if he's, if he's going to hit like this, put him at the top of the lineup. He's your best bet to get on base. Rice Harper is your best overall hitter. I would be slotting him in the two-hole. And then, you know, ramuto has been hitting third. Maybe you keep him there. You keep McCutcheon five if you want. Hoskins, although he's been hit swinging. He's a streaky hitter, right? But he's leading the team in home runs, 19. So maybe you put your power guy I know that he's been trying to move him down in the lineup. I could, I could go with a number of different arguments for what the lineup should shake out as after that. But one thing I do know is that I think Segura, Harper, and frankly, even going back to McCutcheon, would be a better option than keeping Odubel Herrera as your leadoff guy as of this point. Again, just one of two qualified guys on the team with an on-base percentage below 300. Happy that Andrew McCutcheon uh, has had the season that he has had, and Really been hitting the ball well since June. Always, usually puts together a competitive at bat. Uh, He did not look good to start the season. I called him washed. I turned out to be wrong. I've been appropriately called, appropriately, I should say, called out since then. And I am happy to provide whatever jinx and whatever reverse psychology that may have provided for him. Always love to watch Andrew McCutcheon play. Now, in terms of the trade deadline, which is something I said I would get to here uh, before kind of recapping these games here is that my mindset is this. We're, we're sitting here on July 6th, Tuesday, July 6th, 2021. And the Phillies are 40 and 42, four and a half games outside of first place. The Mets sit in first. The Nationals are currently in second place, four games out, tied with the Braves in terms of winning percentage points, both four and a half out. And the Marlins sit last at nine games out. Again, that's as of today. Of course the Phillies have a few weeks here to sit on it and determine what they want to do at the deadline. But I look, my my honest take is that I don't think this team is a playoff team. I think I've been pretty vocal about that. I know they're just coming off a strong series against the Padres and a really strong win against the Cubs and maybe they'll go on a run here in July and they'll rope everybody back in, right? But I have seen enough from this team to truly believe that I don't think this team is fixable in a trade deadline. It's easy to look at all of the, late, the leads, rather, they've blown late. All of the saves, is what I was going to say, that they've blown late. And say, well, if they could just get a few bullpen pieces, they'll be okay. Well, I don't think that's really true because the defense has been atrocious all season. Worse than the majors. The offense overall, though, it's kind of gotten a lot better here recently. An offense around all of baseball is up especially just in the summer, but also since the spider Tax story came out. The Phillies still have a below-average offense in baseball. I'm not buying into just a couple of recent surges as a reason why this team should be aggressive buyers at the deadline. Now, reasons to buy, as I mentioned earlier, Bryce Harper's in year three of his contract, and you certainly expect to be contenders for the early half of that deal. You wouldn't re-sign J.T. Romuto, if you thought that you weren't going to be contenders and you wouldn't go get Dave Dombrowski if you didn't think you are going to be contenders. But I, I just can't buy into what I've seen just here recently. They're still a below 500 team. I've seen too much of this team to think that this team buying will put them in any sort of real contention to contend. And even if somehow they did go on a run here, and won the NL East, which has been a very, very down division this year. And they're still four and a half out and would have to jump multiple teams. But in a hypothetical situation where they did all of that, I know the baseball playoffs, anything can happen more so than, say, some other sports like basketball, right? I can't even imagine what this team would look like in a playoff setting with defensive deficiencies all over the field, a bullpen that has been atrocious for the most part this season. I guess in this hypothetical scenario, they pitched a lot better down the stretch, but I guess I just do not see a scenario in which the 2021 Phillies can be a contender. I hope this is another reverse jinx situation. I counted out Andrew McCutcheon, and he's been really, really good since. Maybe they'll be aggressive at this deadline here and find a way to get into the playoffs. I just do not see it. I would I would be of the mindset that I don't think anyone is untouchable, and that includes Bryce Harper, JT Romuto, whoever. If someone wants to take on the Bryce Harper contract, As of right now, I mean, it's unfortunate, but I've kind of come to the conclusion in my own head that I really just don't think, I don't foresee the light at the end of the tunnel where they're going to be legitimate World Series contenders, which is what you're trying to do when you sign a guy like that. I don't see the scenario where they are World Series contenders during the prime of Bryce Harper. Like, we're in year three of his contract. He's not going to be good for all 13 years of those deals, uh, all 13 years of that deal. You signed that because you wanted to finish out his career in Philadelphia till age 39, and you hoped that you would be good with him in the first half of that. I was talking earlier about the comparisons between him and Manny Machado, and Manny Machado's prime right now, although it's I think it's slightly been worse since he's got, gotten to San Diego than Bryce Harper, but that team is good and not even led by Manny Machado, and therefore... They're not going to sell off one of their pieces. Like, they're going to be in full buy mode because they believe they can win the World Series. I don't think the Phillies are in that position. I think they have too many holes up and down this team. They have found ways to lose too many games this season. I, I don't expect them to sell at the deadline. I don't expect, like, if for instance, someone saw the recency of Andrew McCutcheon wanted to have had interest in him and thought that he could help them down the stretch of his season – and in the playoffs. I would be open to selling Andrew McCutcheon. As much as I enjoy watching the guy play, I can't sell to myself that it wouldn't that it's better interest of the Phillies. Not that they have a ton of you know prospects to sell, but I can't sell to myself it's in the best interest of the Phillies to sell off whatever assets they do have, younger assets, to try and retool this team for the final two months of a season that. Like they're sitting at 500 right now, and suddenly they're just going to go on some run. Now, I guess the other side of that also would be kind of a more optimistic viewpoint is the schedule they have coming up, which you've heard a number of guys, uh, most notably Reese Hoskins, allude to that they have an easier schedule coming up here, and if they were ab- if they were ever able to go on a run, it would be now. But I got news for you, teams are looking at their schedules and seeing the Phillies on there and probably saying, oh, like look at that, we got an easier schedule coming up too. So, I unfortunately am not a believer in the 2021 Phillies to make the playoffs, trade deadline or not. Again, they got a win now, not general manager, but he's technically the president. They have win now contracts in place. I don't expect them to be sellers, and if they do, they're going to do it modestly. I don't expect them to sell off the Harper or realmuto contract, but If someone has interest in Andrew McCutcheon, if someone has interest in Vince Velasquez, if someone has interest in even one of the bullpen pieces, and I don't know who that would be, maybe other than Ranger Suarez, and you get into things like club control, but so I'm thinking more of a guy like, say, McCutcheon who's on an expiring deal or a guy um, say, a Vince Velasquez who they signed again this past offseason. If you could sell off someone who is all, who is here in the short term and not the long term and you're not giving up tons of years of club control and it could help you not in the long long term like I'm not talking they should enter a five-year rebuild here but if you think that you can improve your team I think they should be playing for 2022 is ultimately what I wanted to say if a trade is out there that can make them better in the year 2022 or 2023. So that Realmuto and Harper are still in their primes and you can actually make a legitimate run at this thing, not in 2021 where we're all going to buy into this fool's gold of whatever type of run they're going to spark here after this series in San Diego and a win with the Cubs and whatever kind of run they're going to go on here just before or after the All-Star break in July. If you can make your team better, and this would be the mindset if I were Dombrowski, and I don't expect them to, to do this, this is just what I would do, I would be playing for the year 2022 and 2023. I think that's your best bet. It can be difficult to do, but I think selling at the deadline is probably the wiser move than buying and going all in on the year 2021. Uh, quickly recapping uh, the weekend series. Again, the Phillies won a game in 10 innings on Friday, 4-3, shouldn't have even gotten to the 10th. They win the game 4-2 to over the Padres on Saturday, a game that had tons of rain delays. Manny Machado went yard in the first inning. It was a two-run home run. They go up 2-0, uh, but it was basically all Phillies from there. Bryce Harper comes back with a home run in the bottom of the second. Hoskins homers uh, in the bottom of the second. That made it 2-2. Harper hit a sack fly in the sixth. That made it 3-2. Hoskins doubled the left. That made it 4-2. So all Hoskins and Harper for the most part. Again, you Darvish, Darvish, who has pitched very well this season, he goes six innings, allows all four of those runs. And, uh, you know, shout-out to the Phillies' bullpen in this game, locking it down in the 7th, 8th, and ninth. Zach Effling goes six innings, two runs. Bailey Falter, who has been really, really good so far this season, a two fifty-seven ERA, a .86 whip thus far. And I think a big reason as to why you're even seeing Ranger Suarez in this role as the closer to begin with, because Falter's another lefty, kind of like a 2.0 version of Ranger Suarez, another lefty who can go multiple innings, Where they were using that piggyback role with Spencer Howard when he was on the Major League team, and so it's another guy that Girardi has at his disposal. He gives them a scoreless inning. Archie Bradley gives a scoreless inning. Ranger Suarez gives the scoreless inning for the save in the ninth, and the Phillies win that one, and then they just got blown off the field on Sunday, 11-1. Only run was a JT Romuto homer in the sixth inning, but that was a really, really uh, forgettable game for the Phillies, and Velasquez Goes six innings, allows five runs. His ERAs at 4-5. He's been probably a serviceable back end of the rotation guy, like a five-starter so far this year, um, which is also just out of necessity because of basically what they tried to do early in their season with Matt Moore and Chase Anderson, and more still giving them starts, but certainly Chase Anderson at this point is not getting the nod as a starter. They're going with Vince Velasquez. And then on Monday, wish we had more games to speak of like this this season, Phillies win 13-3. to Offense explodes. Matt Moore only going four innings. So I'm going to get to why I think the bullpen was really key in this game, even though it wasn't close. Uh, Knapp had a home run. Again, uh, he was starting in place of J.T. Romuto. Got to get him some off days at some point. So Knapp comes in as the backup catcher. He homers. Didi Gregorius hit a home run. McCutcheon had a really nice swing on an RBI double. He had a couple of doubles in this game. Really nice swings. Hoskins with an RBI single. Alec Bohm drove in a run with a walk. Ronald Torres hit a ball to third base, and there was an Eric Sogard fielding error. That scored two in the top of the eighth inning. That made it 7-2. Odubel Herrera hits a three-run home run. That made it 10-2. Alvarado came came in again in a blowout, allowed a home run to Javier Baez. That was 10-3. Top of the ninth inning, Hoskins and Bohm, both homer off-the-position player. Sogard. Final score 13-3. Uh, your winning pitcher was Connor Brogdon, who went two innings in relief of Matt Moore, who only went four. That's why he didn't get the win in this one. But, you know, big lead or not, there were some meaningful bullpen innings in there, especially from Brogdon. Based upon how this bullpen is pitched, I think it is huge that the bullpen basically only, not basically, only allowed one run. It was the Alvarado home run to Baez. And so you get five innings, one run ball out of your bullpen. If you could get anything close to that on a nightly basis, I'm not saying this team would turn around, but it would certainly be loads more competitive with all the leads they have blown. So that's going to do it for, uh, you know, game one in Chicago. Still three games left as now it's just six games before the All-Star break. Three more at Wrigley, three more at Fenway. So the Phillies are getting a tour of baseball's oldest ballparks here this week and always fun teams and ballparks to play. In In the final segment, going to preview tonight's game against the Cubs and a little bit of a uh, a, a, form, a familiar face for the Phillies and certainly the Phillies fan base. We'll talk about that on the other side. But first, I have to tell you about Built Bar. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. And right now, they have a limited time flavor, the Built Grasshopper Cookie. Available this week only, July 6th through the 9th, with the new Built Bar flavor, the Grasshopper Cookie. Well, what does it taste like? This is the Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie. All the flavor without all the sugar. 150 calories, 17 grams of protein, only 5 grams of sugar. Did you know the Bilt Bar has tons of delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their favorites. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors by now, you're certainly missing out. There's coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, strawberry, orange, cookies and cream, and of course, German chocolate. If you haven't tried all the flavors by now, you can get the mix box, where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only are Built Bar flavors the best tasting, but they're healthy too. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180 calories, four to five grams of sugar, four to five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Order today, get that grasshopper cookie, raspberry, whatever you like, even that mixed box. Go to BuiltBar.com, use that promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use that promo code LOCKED ON, and you'll get 15% off. BuiltBar.com. One last time, use that promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Final segment of today's Locked on Phillies podcast covered a lot here as so we recap what was a busy weekend for the Phillies. to you why as op- as optimistic I was, as I would love to be about this Phillies team. I, and I would love to be optimistic and I'm sure I'll end up talking myself into this team if they go on a run here in July and say, yeah, they should buy and really go for it this year. Just My head tells me that this team is not good enough. There's too many issues to fix in a trade deadline. And I would quite literally make everyone available. Guys are going to... If other teams are going to call about your players, I'm listening, trying to make the best deal for my team if I'm Dave Dombrowski for the year 2022 and 2023. Covered a little bit of a comparison between Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Recapped the Padres series. Recapped last night's win over the Chicago Cubs. And the Phillies go tonight trying to win game two at Wrigley Field, and this is one of my, in my opinion, one of the most highly anticipated games of the entire season. If the Phillies, and specifically, I can speak, if most specifically the Phillies offense has a pulse, they will win this game tonight, because on the mound for the Chicago Cubs is familiar face of the Phillies and the familiar face for the Cubs, and he went back there. It's Jake Arrieta. Jake Arrieta, who of course signed a, played three years for the Phillies. Uh, You know, he was on the Phillies team from 2018, 2019, 2020. Returned to the Cubs this past offseason. He was on a three-year, $25 million a year deal. $75 million total. And he was nothing but disappointing here in Philadelphia. You go through his ERAs. He had a 3.96 ERA the first year. That climbed 4.64. In 2019, 508 last year, and it wasn't even so much how much he regressed or how disappointing he was. I mean, you remember you go back five years, he was like the best pitcher in baseball when he was with the Cubs. Well, he came to Philly, and it wasn't that just he was disappointing, but he had an attitude about it. I think back, one of my favorite moments was he hit a home run in San Francisco, and then proceeded to complain that other guys weren't hitting behind him, at just because he would point the finger at other guys. Uh, other teammates of his basically the offense that like look I can hit and you know you guys can't or he once blamed openly Scott Kingrey for an error like he, he was very he always gave off a me first attitude never the biggest Jake Arietta fan disliked him I'm not I shouldn't say never I was a big fan when they got him on the way out I don't think anyone really misses Jake Arietta and the Phillies absolutely need to win this game. Like Jake Arrieta stinks. He's got a 5.57 ERA, a 1.57 whip on this season. I'm hyping this up. I just said he stinks. I'm sure the Phillies will find a way to get shut down by him in tonight's game. But if the Phillies' offense has a pulse, they will find a way to win this game. Aaron Nola is on the bump. He is oftentimes, does not seem like he, he's a very calm, cool, and collected kind of guy. And He's obviously been disappointing so far this season. He's coming off an outing against the Marlins where he got rocked, just went four and two-thirds, allowed seven runs. He had 11 strikeouts but couldn't even get through the fifth, Uh, and again, seven runs charged to him in that game. So his ERA, which was below four going into that game, now climbed back up to 444. Really, really hope they can get a good start out of him on the road where, of course, he struggles more so than at home. And really, really hoping the wind was blowing out at Wrigley on Monday night. Hoping that's the case again on Tuesday. And how nice would it be for Jake Arrieta, who spent the last three years in Philadelphia, certainly spent his better years with the Cubs. So I'm imagining, you know, he's he's a little bit more liked there than he is here because we just saw like the decline one year after another of Jake Arrieta and the attitude and the finger pointing and the excuse making. There were a few uh, audio highlights that I was listening to. Uh, over the past couple of days in anticipation of this game, of him saying that he was too sick to pitch one time, and that he had fatigue, and he once got in an argument with one of the reporters saying, like, well, you've never pitched, so you couldn't possibly understand. Like, nothing was ever owned up to with that guy. It was always pointing the finger. So really would love to see the Phillies stick it to Jake Arrieta tonight. I don't know if the guys in the Phillies clubhouse have the same disdain for Jake Arrieta that I do, that this fan base does. But it, it would be quite nice. It's always nice when the Phillies win, but it would be quite nice if they could do it tonight to Jake Arrieta and really, really hoping for a solid start out of Aaron Nola. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Locked on Phillies podcast. Make sure you are subscribed on Apple, on Spotify, on the Odyssey app, wherever you get your podcast, And make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at LO underscore Phillies and myself at Dan underscore Wilson4. Today on the Locked On Today podcast, what's the key for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA Finals? Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.